Welcome to When Life Gets Strange, tips for loving your perfectly imperfect military and everyday life. Let me introduce you to my wife and your host, Maria Strange. We have been married for over 20 years, over 17 years in the Army, and she is the mother to our six children, and we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As a certified life coach, Maria's goal is to help you thrive and love your perfectly imperfect military and everyday life. Are you ready? Hi, ladies, and welcome back to When Life Gets Strange, episode 23, When Someone You Love Suffers with Suicide Ideation. Today, my friend Jessica is going to share a little bit of her story of dealing with not only her husband's suicide ideation, but also her father's and the trainings and the techniques that she has learned over the years that help her. So we've been friends for 10 years. Jessica, go ahead and tell my, or my listeners a little bit about yourself. So um, I have been married for coming up on 20 years um, to a gentleman that I met in elementary school. And so we've, I, I didn't, I married a civilian. He was a carpenter by trade, building custom homes. And then he decided to join the military and we have three children and he served about 11 years. And then he did four tours in that time. And so he did um, one to Kuwait and Iraq and Iraq again, and then Afghanistan. So we spent a lot of time apart and then it took about a year and a half for a med board process for him to come out of the military, medically retired. He's fully medically retired at this time. Um, and so we lived in, or we currently live in Kansas, but we lived in Texas and Arizona and Kansas was our first duty station, which is where we're at now. And so we enjoy fishing, um, together and we've got two kids still at home and a wonderful grandson and my father-in-law, who is also a Navy veteran, um, is here with us as well. He suffers from Alzheimer's. So we've, we've got a busy home. People are coming in and going out all the time. And so that's exciting. And I'm at home still being a homemaker. That is so awesome. Now you also took care of your dad who was a Vietnam vet, correct? Oh yeah. Thanks for bringing him up, Maria. I do love my dad. Yeah. He was a Vietnam veteran. And so he was, he raised me as a single father. Um, so my mom was kind of in and out and, um, lived kind of a more wild child lifestyle, I guess. But my dad was here with us. I took care of him full time at home for about five years. And he suffered from Agent Orange, um, Parkinson's dementia and PTSD. And so he too was a fully um, disabled. He was disabled. And so he became bed bound and he was here with me. And so I got to take care of him until his passing. He passed away at home June of last year. And so that was also a sweet experience. So yeah, I've got a solid three veterans. My grandfather is an Air Force um, Lieutenant Colonel. He was a Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force. And so that was pretty cool. So pretty extensive military, I guess, on my side. Pretty extensive. Yeah. And so would you say with the PTSD in that this month, we're talking a lot about suicide and suicide awareness. And so Jessica is my buddy who has gone to suicide awareness classes with me. Would you say, I know like those tools have really influenced my life and how I show up in relationships with other people. How would you say that's influenced you? 
Um, I think our suicide, the class specifically, was probably one of the most beneficial classes that I ever took from the military uh, in it just, I think how it's helped me directly is it allowed me to not avoid the elephant in the room. Um, I've always been kind of a seeker and a lover of truth. And so if the best path is directly into the battle. And so I really liked that they dwelled in on, are you thinking about suicide? Um, are you struggling with thoughts of suicide or do you have a plan? Like, I liked that it okayed my directness um, to be able to get into the truth of what's happening instead of it often puts us, I felt like prior to that class, I could kind of get on eggshells. I didn't really know what to do. Maybe my approach normally that I would take very direct um, very into the battle, if you will, kind of mentality when it comes to um, emotional or any type of, you know, just struggles that our family might be having. But when it came down to, you know, suicide, and you can feel that you can feel that pressure and that tension in the house. And yet it seemed to be almost abrasive or too direct to really approach it head on like that. But the class really gave me some great steps and some validation in some ways, and then the appropriate places to put where the compassion goes and, and to understand the resources that we also had available to us when, you know, I wasn't, I don't want to say when I wasn't, or when it was becoming too much pressure at home that we needed to pull in some more help. And so in our case, we did, you know, we, my husband was hospitalized several times. Um, and so he initiated some of those, some of those, I kind of was the one saying, okay, I, I think, do you think it's time? You know, like I was kind of asking him and then he would agree. Um, and so, and I think that's important to keep the core of the family together. So I've, I've loved that I had more tools for the front line, um, but I also had more solid tools for when I knew that we needed more, you know, we needed more assistance to get him through a particular trial or battle that he was facing. Yeah. I also really liked how they taught to come up with a plan of action when you're feeling this right. way. These are things that we can do. And I have found I've used it not even with just within my family, but also people outside, like talking with other parents, like, oh, I have a teenager who's feeling, you know, we know they're feeling suicidal. And I'm able to say, well, do you have an action plan? And they're like, well, what do you, right. and I'm able to share that knowledge that I've gained. And sometimes that action plan might be, I shared last week that, you know, I have a couple of people that we know that their action plan is they just come and sit by me. Like they'll put their hand on my leg or on my hand, squeeze my hand. And it's just that signal between us. Hey, I'm struggling right now. And it, nothing even has to be said. Have you found anything like that beneficial in your life as well? Yeah, I really have. And as we've had teenagers that have come up, it kind of normalized some of those questions and those conversations and allowed you know, these feelings to be kind of normalized within our home. And so, yeah, I've utilized it with, you know, my, my daughter, you know, one of my daughters has struggled down this path too with her, her dad. Um, and so I've utilized it there. I've also, cause I work with the youth a lot with my church as well. And there's been a few times that I've been able to say, Hey, is, are you, you know, struggling in this situation? Are you, are you having, depressive thoughts, and then I can kind of get a feel of it. Um, and so, yeah, I feel much more comfortable in that battleground or when, you know, like 
because I, I love working with the teens and you never really know what's going to come off of their mouth in a classroom with 20 of them. And so when one of them raises their hand and they're talking about these tough topics that were otherwise taboo, um, I think it's, it's allowed more comfort in a space that I'm not shocked by it. You know, I, I can, I can function there and I can have this conversation with you and, you know, I can lead you to resources and, you know, these are the things that, or I can say, oh, this is what your counselor's done with you. I'm pretty familiar with that. How's your action plan working for you? And so, and I think that's helped to validate, um, the youth that, that are on my path as well. And so I've, I've enjoyed that avenue. Absolutely. Maria. I have, you know, in, inside of my family and out. Yeah. That's what I have found as well. Okay. So guys, I've also worked with Jessica as a life coach and taught her some of the tools. And I, what tool do you mm-hmm. think that you've learned has helped you the best in working with the suicide and the PTSD? Oh, I love the thought work where when I'm able now to take like a situation and say the circumstance, am I allowed to say that part? Mm -hmm. And so the circumstance of the situation. So I've loved the ability to separate the circumstances from the feeling. And so in that step, and then that, that taking a thought because often I guess you can get into your own spiral with it when you're living with it it's hard not to fall into that same darkness and into that same trap or to feel like you're somehow responsible for it because you're the one there or another one that I felt like I was beat up a lot with is you know he could go to a grocery store my husband I mean and or he could go to you know like he can do school and it seems like there's enough stimulation there and he's able to engage but then when he comes to me it's he's he's out of energy he's out of everything and now he's safe to be able to sleep and you know and sometimes I can really beat myself up with it and say well you know I'm he won't do things with me you know or he's too depressed or I'm not enough or you know like all of these things that can kind of go crazy in your thought and then it goes into your emotions and I would feel myself falling into those slumps and those depressions which is not helpful it is not helpful to have two three of you in a home that feels this way and so um, join them for a time, sit with them for a time, all these things. Yes. But when I started spiraling, so I've loved that ability to be able to say, okay, the circumstance is my husband went to school. He had a good day at school. He's able to tell me that at school, I could say all of that in a court of law. And so all of these things happened. And so I love that exercise in my brain. And then what is my feeling? What's the very next thought that comes in and to be keenly aware of that negative thought process that can sometimes beat the positive. Um, and so I've, I've really enjoyed that separation of this is the circumstances. This is how I feel about it. And then if I change my, or this is my thought on that. And now this is my feeling on it. And so if I change that thought, then I can quickly say, oh, Nate had a good day and now it's time for him to rest and kind of remove myself from that equation that, you know, things happen. It it has nothing to do with me. Um, And so I've really liked those steps that have have allowed me to let PTSD live in my house, to let depression live in our home, to accept suicidal thoughts when they show up. And to be able to say, this really isn't about me. This is the circumstance. My husband does suffer from these things. My dad did suffer from these things. Um, My children in some way suffer from the shrapnel of these things or secondary PTSD, if you will, including myself. Um, And so, but I don't want to live by those diagnoses. And so I've really, I've really loved that process of being able to separate it. And it makes me a more proactive, joyful, helpful 
um, and engaging wife when I get to be a wife or caregiver when I get to be a caregiver or mother or whatever. And so I've loved that ability to be able to say, okay, this is my circumstances and this is not my circumstances. This is my thought. And then this thought is leading to this feeling, which has empowered me to be so much more of a whole person in my home and whatever is needed when people are coming and going. It also helps with the Alzheimer's. You know, my, my father-in-law suffers from Alzheimer's. And, and so I've found it very beneficial in working with his, he's got like I don't say this meanly. He's probably got like a 25 second memory. Like he loses the bathroom when he's standing next to it. And so sometimes, you know, my thoughts can get kind of negative that way to where I'm like, holy cow, it's right there. It's like the light is shining on your face. And so I have to, this is the circumstance. Okay. This is my thought. That's not fair. I have to change my thought and then I can change my feeling. And so it's really cool just to feel in control of something that is so often put in a position that you can be so out of control of. Yeah. I really like too, that you pointed out that his behavior means nothing about you. Right. And really learning yeah. that because I think it's so easy as wife and mothers to want to take on that responsibility that somehow we must be responsible for this because we are the partner, because we are the mom, we're the primary caregiver and being able to separate right. out that their actions and thoughts really is all about them and really has nothing to do with us. We're their circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such a huge weight that just kind of comes off of you that, you know, I used to really feel like, and well, because in childhood, I also carried the burden that, you know, my mother struggled with a heroin addiction my whole life. And so that left a lot of room for isolation and loneliness. And you always kind of feel like, or I did, I don't know if everybody does, but you kind of feel like if I did more, if I do more, if I take more responsibility, or if I clean more, if I do better on this or whatever, then somehow I'm going to break, I, I'm going to become more important or, you know, I'm going to get some attention out of this or so I don't know, but that's what, what happened for me. And so often when you're working with depression and PTSD and suicidal thoughts, it can look a lot like that. You know, there's a lot of um, just isolation and loneliness and trying to take it on for yourself and to try to do something more for it. And I really like the process of learning that, yeah, it's, it doesn't, you know, it's just, it's something, it's his battle. It's his cross. He's got to carry that and I can help him and I want to help him and I want to be a part of the good times and I get to be, I feel like it's a privilege that, you know, they, these guys trust me to be a part of their hard times. Um, but it's, it's really very freeing to separate, even though we live together, this isn't always about me. Really it's more like so that. not. Yeah. I like how you said that, that he's allowing me to be a part of the good time and trust me enough to be part of the bad time. I know when my child was dealing with those suicidal thoughts that when I was spinning like that, that I wasn't that safe place. I wasn't the person right. that, he could go to that he could trust because I was so wrapped up in my own self-pity of being the victim. Like, oh, this is all my fault. I wasn't enough that I couldn't be that safe space. Have you found that to be true for you? And then using the thought work to be able to get out of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think as, as mothers and wives, what we want is we want to be trusted and we want to, 
we want to receive that information. I think it's it's very important, and it's been become important to me to to realize not only realize but become very efficient at at responding well and and becoming the responder that that you would want if you were dealing with these types of of feelings and emotions or whatever. And, you know, often if you're faced with depression, you know, adding depression to the pile is not really beneficial. Or if, you know, you're dealing with somebody that's angry, yelling back at them really doesn't give me the results that I want. And so, you know, when you, as mothers, I think we, we want that connection. At least I do, you know, I want that connection. I want my kids to feel safe. And sometimes I hear some hard stuff, you know, you don't want to hear this stuff, you know, you don't, it's hard to deal with, with the results of, you know, just wondering if my husband was to ever go through with these thoughts and this ideations that he struggles mm-hmm. with, you know, what's the results going to be on me and to be in those situations and not function out of fear and, you know, to really be able to look at it and say, okay, what would I do instead of functioning out of the fear of it um, has been very empowering, very empowering. I, I want them to be able to trust me. I want the truth, which is really my biggest motivator. Right. I've always felt like if I don't have the truth, I can't, you know, what, what can we really gather? Or what can we do here? But what that has meant is I have to have control over, you know, my emotions and how I respond to hard topics. If I want them to trust me with that stuff, then I need to be approachable and I need to be a safe place and I need to be able to remove myself from the immediate emotions and then deal with those emotions in my journal or in prayer or in meditation or in yoga or on my spin bike or in my garden. I've got a plethora, plethora of things of that things I do that otherwise. Do that, that are for you that help you to recharge, to be able to show up the way you want. Right. So I like that you talked about that, right? So as caregivers, as moms, as wives, I, I've teach that it's really beneficial to take care of you because as you take care of you and you're feeling a hundred percent or even 90%, but just even just a little bit more, right? You're doing one thing, even if it's one thing that you do for yourself every day, how much e- better you're able to show up for other people because you have taken care of yourself. Absolutely. It's vital. It is absolutely vital when you're, for me, um, I know that if, and I generally take, I probably throughout the day, I would say I take a solid two hours, you know, like it might be a five minute shower here. It might be 30 minutes in the garden there. Um, It's always, you know, an hour, hour and a half of scripture time and um, fighting for that quiet space. And so anyway, throughout the day, I will take those times of caregiving because I do, I cannot be an effective wife or caregiver or, um, oh, there's all kinds of words I could put there if I'm not functioning at least at 75, 80%. And so I, but ideally I want to be at 95, 96%. And of course, hundred, 110 is fantastic, but I've definitely learned that if I'm, if I'm anywhere below like 40 or 50% on my own caregiving and taking care of myself, I'm not showing up the way that I want to be. I'm not nearly as effective. Um, I don't feel good about my responses. You know, I, I just, I, it, it needs, yeah, the caregiving or yeah, for caregiving, for being, for dealing with these heavy, cause they are, they're soul sucking. They're hard topics. It's difficult to, to live in this, 
environment all the time and it's constantly a roller coaster and so it's vital and I learned about I guess in my head that I learned about mini vacations and so I can slip out the back door and I will take five minutes to just empty my head or like you've taught me Maria is like the the dumping like I love my chalkboard where I'll just dump all these thoughts and like I've got to clean it out and so I've never underestimated you know just the power of what five minutes can do five minutes well spent can really replenish my heart and my soul and get me back in the game. Yeah, I really like that. And I like that you mentioned, okay, so some days you might be less, you might be at that 40% where you don't show up the way you want. And then you have to be willing to give yourself grace. Like I'm doing the best that I can. And today my best wasn't good enough. Because if you sat and spend in those thoughts of, oh, that wasn't how I wanted to show up. You're going to continue to show up negatively instead of really kind of turning in and being like, oh, honey, what's, what's, hun, what's going on for me? Is there something that I need that I haven't met that's not allowed me to show up the way I want for others? Yeah, absolutely. I think it all takes up time. You know, it's it's the way that we budget our time. And I just find that whenever I go into the spirals of negativity or, you know, just beating myself up over different things or, you know, feeling sorry for myself over different things. I just never feel like it's time well spent. And, and so it kind of reminds me of a, of a wedding that I was helping with that I loved. It was a temple ceiling wedding and it came down that there was a dress. It was the wedding, the bridal dress was ordered from, um, China or something. Anyway, it was through one of those apps that, and we gave it plenty of time. You know, we did like a five, six month thing and it was supposed to be there. Anyway, the wedding's like in three days, the photos are tomorrow and the dress, we finally get the email is not coming. And so I was like, and you can feel, you know, of course the circumstances, we have no dress. And of course your first thought is, oh my gosh, we have no dress and now everything's going to be doomed and you know, this, whatever. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to change that thought. And, and so I can change my, cause you got to stay in the game. There's no more time. You know, I've, I've got 25 hours. What are you going to do with it? And so, um, I think it's really become, you know, the way that we spend our time and, and those moments count and we can spend it negatively or we can spend it in a positive manner and, you know, just be able to get the best bang for our buck, if you will, the best bang for your minute. Yeah. All right. So Jessica, in closing, do you have any advice that you would give to another wife who's maybe in your situation, who's dealing with the PTSD or the suicidal thoughts in her home? Um, I would say, well, you're going to need a network. There's, there's a network. Um, I think the life coaching is, I would absolutely recommend that it's quicker than generally insurances. Um, and so if there's a network, I've always loved a, a good, a good friend, a good journal, um, a good spiritual base, a good exercise regimen, and just in a good food. That's another big one that I would say that really, really empowers us to be our best and to be able to be a positive light in what can sometimes be a consuming and very negative world on the long term. And so that's what a, a good network, I would say definitely a good network and self-care is vital. It must happen. Don't, there is no finding the time. You've got to make the time or it will consume you. Um, and so good network, 
and and always have a team. I guess that's that's one too that I would say that there's counselors, there's therapists, there's local churches. Um, I like the coaching thing if financially available or you can find free little jobs here and there. But um, anyway, that there's to get some tools in place because man, it'll take off with your family if you're not ready for it. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and being willing to talk to me today. As always, it's fabulous. I love getting to chat and connect with you. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Jessica and that you were able to learn some tips and tricks. And if you have a loved one who suffers with suicide ideation, please reach out for help. Find your support group. If you need, message me. I'm here to help and I would love to help you find the support that you need as you support your loved one through their challenges. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.